0: Every choice I make, everything I do, I disappoint somebody. This is episode 26 of They're All Going to Laugh at Him. I'm Alex Sprague.
1: And I'm Jess Geyer. Now, Alex, usually you choose a quote from an Adam Sandler movie. Why are you just spilling spilling your guts out on today's podcast?
0: Well, because mostly (laughs) this movie is about depression. (laughs) Yeah. So it just sounds like me talking a little.
1: Aw. Yeah, this movie is definitely about depression.
0: I'm gonna point out i'm not like i'm not clinically depressed at the moment we're just in quarantine times and anyone running real high if you're above a seven right now i don't trust you I'm just saying that much
1: yeah what's going on with you if you're above a seven
0: you just watch click
1: no if you just watch click <laughs> you, you fall down a little bit
0: oh yeah i need some time to recover That ending uh-huh. clicks brutal
1: yeah and you know <sighs> Alex, this is a podcast where we are watching all 60 Adam Sandler and Adam Sandler adjacent movies every day in a row and podcasting about it. Why did you make me watch Click again?
0: Well, in this podcast of Adam Sandler, an ordinary man who came from Manchester, New Hampshire, Adam Sandler, more than anything, wanted to make the world laugh. The exciting world that lay somewhere beyond his hometown. Adam had big dreams, but also big responsibilities. And of course, sometimes the two don't exactly fit together. Sometimes you can't make everyone happy, but today we ask, does he deserve all the hate? All right. <laughs> you well, recognize that... that one?
1: No, I was going to ask you what that's from.
0: That's uh, a modified monologue from the intro of a It's a Wonderful Life.
1: Oh. See, um, not a big fan of It's a Wonderful Life.
0: No, nope, I think it's dumb.
1: Um, I really don't like a lot of the guy has been a shithead and then sees the future realizes he shouldn't have been a shithead and then comes back to his normal life with no consequences i don't like movies like that usually yeah didn't didn't actually hate click as much as i thought i was going to because i remember explicitly not liking it and i enjoyed Mm -hmm. it this time around actually
0: well i think you know i watched it uh 14 years ago about this time i understand uh how careers can be a struggle yeah. And how that is stressful. Um, and that gave me a better understanding of kind of what they're trying to say in this movie.
1: Also, you know, I've, I've seen a lot more Adam Sandler movies. So I understand mm. a lot more. I'm also watching this movie now away from, away from after watching uh, a video. I can't remember which YouTuber did it, but it's one of my YouTube channels that I've been watching regularly where they reviewed Click. And I gotta say, they didn't give it a fair shake and a lot of the criticisms that they made uh, aren't valid.
0: Hmm. I, I find pretty much any strict criticism of a movie tends to get too deep into basically their own opinions on why something might not be good. You can't say... If there's a theme that I fundamentally disagree with in a movie that doesn't necessarily make the movie bad yeah I probably won't like it that much and I know we do we're obviously subjective when we're talking about these movies it's impossible not to be and anyone who pretends not to be is lying but I'm not trying to say you know the last movie we watched is horrible therefore no one should watch it I am trying to see what it's trying to say what themes it's trying to push I happen to like this movie pretty good but even if it didn't, it had a lot to say, and that's worth talking about, I I,
1: I agree, and the more that we've been doing this podcast, the more I've been able to kind of narrow down what I think about art and literature in general. And some people are probably groaning right now, like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, why would I call an Adam Sandler movie art, but shut up.
0: Yeah, I think one thing that's I've struggled with is the fact that – uh Comedy is regularly not seen as art or a high form of art, at least. Just like horror. Yeah, and it's always been the thing I relate to most.
1: Comedy has been art since forever, you know?
0: Yeah, I mean, like, just because just something makes you... I don't know, do people think laughing makes you less... I guess it's less serious. Therefore, it's less businesslike. Therefore, it's less worthwhile.
1: Some people do believe that. Unfortunately, they are big brain people who think that their big brains make them smart. Anyway, uh, I was going to say, though, that my my theory, my my thinking on, on art and literature in general has kind of shifted to like, okay, it's not really a shift. It's more like a narrowing down. I think what makes something good literature or good art is, one, having a theme that it's trying, and or themes, a message that it's trying to get across, and two, building up to that theme and fully exploring it.
0: I don't think fully exploring it well, needs to be. You
1: have you have to explore it well enough to show that it's actually a developed theme. You have to develop this theme. It doesn't have to cover necessarily A to Z everything, but I think that it has to develop a theme. If it just says a theme, that doesn't count as good for me.
0: No, you're saying saying this for movies and literatures, right? Not... Yeah. I mean... Not
1: not what?
0: I, I don't... Well, like a painting.
1: Well, yeah, paintings have themes. Yeah.
0: But, you know, not every painting has a wide theme. Like some of my... You know, modern art, does, it, it'll try to evoke an emotion over tell a story or have a full theme that's a theme i think i guess paintings as a series might have a theme that they do but like an emotion i don't think
1: for 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 a for a painting or something that that really does stand as the theme of course a a painting's not going to be able to say like it's not going to be able to like like say something in a million words because it's worth a million words uh (laughs) That was a stupid joke. But I'm not saying that it has to have the same kinds of themes as the literature does. But art does the same thing. Good art also does the same thing.
0: Well, basically what I'm saying is, within the comedy genre even, there are different types of things people are going about. Mm -hmm. Whereas there's so many themes in Click, um, comparative to what I consider one of the best comedy movies like Clerks. That's very much just hitting an emotion or like uh link Later's slackers uh that and clerks have the same basic field to them of what it's trying to portray but it doesn't explore a theme super deeply
1: i mean it does have themes but even the fact that it is trying to portray an emotion and it's using its plot it's using its dialogue it's using its lighting it's using the color to explore that i think that counts as part of exploring a theme and developing a theme Even if the theme isn't an emotion.
0: I think the only quibble I had was when you said fully explore a theme.
1: Yeah, but what I mean by fully is that it develops it. It doesn't just say it and then expect us to get it. It it hints at it throughout the work. Mm
0: -hmm. It has to have some kind of payoff. I get that. I agree with that. Mm -hmm.
1: Um, And some of the movies that we've been watching don't have that. Like going overboard sets it up and doesn't have the follow through. If it had the follow through, it could have been a movie, but it wasn't. You know, even with the bad acting.
0: I mean, its themes almost the fact that, like, it, it it could almost be, "Hey, I don't know what I'm doing, and sorry if I fail." That that seemed almost the theme in my mind now. Now looking back, but
1: and then there's also Master of Disguise, which does none of that. Doesn't even yeah. really set up a theme.
0: <laughs> Anyhow, uh, I laughed seventeen times. Not a super lot for this movie, but. A few of them got me. It's not a hilarious movie, but it's funny, and I liked it. Yeah. But I know you swore at Adam Sandler in the movie because this movie did make you cry. He
1: made me cry twice, okay? First time, I knew it was going to happen because I've i seen this movie before, and I know the scene where he makes his dad say, I love you, son, several times. I knew it was going to get mm-hmm. me because Henry Winkler looks old and sad And Adam Sandler looks old and sad. And then they do it to you like several times and make him repeat it. And that got me like tears. And then the second time I was going to survive the ending. I was going to survive the ending where he's like there laying on the concrete dying. I was like, okay, yeah, sure. Let's get past it. I know what happens at the end. But they kept going with that scene. And just the way Adam Sandler was acting and then the music that's swelling, it was fully there to manipulate me into crying. And how dare they?
0: Yeah, I uh, I teared up at both those scenes. I, I had a tear leave during the that scene. I had uh, a half point for eyes welling at the I Love You Sun scene. And a half point for the cranberries scene.
1: Wait, which cranberries one? The first one or the one where wedding. the other wedding? The wedding. Okay, I was going to say the first one's not sad, though. <laughs> yeah, it's
0: not. <laughs> just if the, the song comes on, I can't help it. Okay, now here's what we're all expecting. What do you think they scored it?
1: Okay, I think that this movie is popular to hate by fans. I think it's popular to hate, but then there are always those people who say that it's a secret masterpiece. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to give this one just a straight 50-50 from audience, and I'm going to say it's in the 30s for critics.
0: And you're close. It's a 33 for critics and a 66 for audience.
1: That's better than I expected.
0: 874,000 reviews on this movie. That's a lot.
1: It's probably pretty... I think there are a lot of one stars is what I'm trying to say.
0: Yeah, it probably drags it down quite a bit. Um, I'm sure. Which, I mean, I think it's actually probably high. How how much in the 800,000 reviews are these people being shitty and just, they're like, we hate Adam Sandler? (laughs) I mean, if you've been on the internet long enough, probably a lot of them.
1: Probably a lot. I want to share some things that I saw on Reddit when I was looking stuff up.
0: I uh, I do want to point out, though, how do 850,000 people have the time to review an Adam Sandler movie on Rotten Tomatoes? That's Who's all of Rob this?
1: Schneider's racist caricatures. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he just does it in all of his different racist mm. costumes. I want to share something that I saw on Reddit from Unpopular Opinion that I thought was hilarious. This is from the unpopular opinion that Adam Sandler's movie Click is a masterpiece. So the guy said, like, it caused me, it was the first movie to cause me me to cry in about four years. And then someone in the comments said, (laughs) someone in the comments said, this is not an unpopular opinion. Most people love it. I hate it. It's a classic story and lesson that he completely mangled, and the end is meaningless drivel. And I'm a Sandler fan, even his Netflix stuff.
0: (laughs) That's non an unpopular opinion. I disagree with your opinion. Yeah. I I do want to point out that there is a, by a super user, a two-star review of this movie that is 1,600 words with no paragraphs in it.
1: Ooh, ouch. I'm
0: just saying, fucking stop it.
1: Now, there have been movies that I have... um that i have seen that made me so mad that i have written reviews about them in fact my imdb account was created after i watched one such movie so i i understand i understand the the desire
0: yeah i get that anyway let's uh quickly recap the plot so that we can yeah. talk about this movie in more detail yeah.
1: Uh, Michael Newman, played by Adam Sandler, is an architect. He lives with his wife Donna, played by Kate Beckinsale. Uh, by the way, Drew Barrymore passed up this role, and I'm mad at her forever for it. But that's okay. Uh, he lives with his wife Donna and their two children, Ben and Sam. His boss, David Hasselhoff, hasn't promoted him to partner. hasn't promoted him to partner yet, despite the fact that Michael has been putting in long hours. Michael is even threatened to being taken off of a big project and thus losing the possibility of this promotion uh, because he wants to become partner if he goes on this planned 4th of July camping trip with his family. And it's at this point that Michael, who is sick of not having control over the appliances in his life, like his TV, runs out and he gets a, a universal TV remote from Bed Bath & Beyond. He, it's there, after collapsing on a display bed and saying that he's tired of his life, that he sees the Beyond section of Bed Bath & Beyond where he meets Morty, played by Christopher Walken. Morty gives him a cutting-edge Universal remote straight from the warehouse from Indiana Jones. Michael eventually finds out that this remote can actually control the universe around him. and At first, he thinks he's on a prank TV show, but Morty assures him that it's real and shows him some of the other functions of the remote. And Michael ends up kind of abusing this remote. He makes a mistake by fast-forwarding to his promotion when Hasselhoff goes back on his deal and ends up skipping a whole year. He doesn't expect that from happening. Uh, During this time, he was on autopilot. His dog died, and his wife and him, like, they've started having marriage issues. And uh, he tries to throw away the remote because it keeps skipping forward when he doesn't want it to, because it's learning from his behaviors. But he learns uh, from Morty that it's impossible. It's a non-refundable remote. So every time he throws it away, it comes back on his person. Um, the next day, he accidentally skips ahead even more years to when he becomes CEO. Because the CEO that took over after Hasselhoff left the company killed himself. Now that he's uh, now that he's CEO, he's also fat. He's divorced. And he doesn't even recognize his own kids. And Sean Astin is banging his wife god damn it uh the new my dog fears too the new dog knocks him over and like he causes him to hit his head during a fight with donna uh before he can give her this note he doesn't want to have this fight with donna because the remote fast forwards through other fights and he ends up waking up six years later it turns out the cat scan from being hit in the head revealed a tumor he's gained even more weight uh he had a heart attack and he hasn't been well, and then he lost weight from surgery, and he hasn't been well a day since. And since he skipped over the last time he was sick, he skipped over all of this time, too. Uh, he also learns that his dad died, and he was a complete jerk to him right beforehand. And he learns from Morty that Morty is the angel of death. Uh, more time skips forward, and he ends up having a heart attack at his son's wedding when he hears his daughter call Sean Aston dad. And when he wakes up, both of his kids are there at his bedside. He learns that his son is going to skip his honeymoon, not because Michael's sick, but because of work, which makes Michael really sad. So when he he gets up and he tries to leave, he gets up from his hospital bed to warn him not to skip the honeymoon, and he collapses there on the pavement in the rain with his whole family and Sean Astin kneeling over him. He dies. He wakes up at that point in Bed Bath & Beyond on that bed that he fell asleep in and has his Ebenezer Scrooge on Christmas morning moment. He wakes up his family and says that he's going to go on that camping trip with them. And uh, he sees the universal universal remote on the table with a note from Morty saying that good guys deserve a break, which is something that he said uh, to him at the beginning of the movie. And he throws a remote control in the trash. The end.
0: In case anyone was worried, the movie does start with Rob Schneider doing a racist portrayal of an Arabic person. That is in the movie. He yep. didn't. He didn't miss one. I know everyone was freaking out.
1: If we were ever um, hesitant to call what he was doing brownface before.
0: Oh, it is now.
1: Yep. 100%. He's even wearing a prosthetic nose. He was nearly unrecognizable. and
0: I, I don't think I'd recognize him if it weren't for the fact that I've seen five movies with him in it this week and could tell it was his voice.
1: Yeah. Um. So that was not... That wasn't good.
0: No. <laughs> that was a... Uh, unfortunate racial, racist portrayal that I did not enjoy.
1: No, um, really,
0: started the movie off on a bad note.
1: You know what I also don't like about this movie is that they they killed off two different dogs within like the span of ten years. According to the movie, like what are they doing to those dogs? Dogs well, live wh- longer than that.
0: One was a little dog. Yeah, and you don't know how old the first dog was. The dog looked
1: young. It was vibrant. He was humping that duck. He was he was going for it. He was good.
0: That's fair. Anyhow, so I don't know which of the themes you kind of want to cover first.
1: Well, let's talk about the, the one that's the most obvious because Adam Sandler says it directly. Um, and this is probably the most trite of all of the themes in this movie. It's that family family should come first, that you should mm-hmm. put the, the family comes first and the idea that you have you need to have a career and family balance favoring your family over your career. Because if you're just at work trying to provide for your family, you're missing out on a bunch of moments that you don't want to miss and that you'll regret later.
0: Yeah, I think uh, as an extension of this, uh, the family first for him means happiness first. Yes. Like, it's shown that his family is what makes him happy. Um, Mm -hmm. And at this point, uh, Adam Sandler himself would have been married for about three years, so... It makes sense that that's what happiness means to him in yeah. his life.
1: And I think the movie does a good job of showing that Michael's happiness comes from his family. Because every time he he is working on something, it's because he wants to get his family something. He wants to do better for them than he had when he was a kid.
0: Yes, he, he specifically says that he's working hard to have all the things he didn't get as mm-hmm. a kid.
1: And it's it's the most obvious of all the themes. I actually don't think we even need to talk about it that deeply because like he ends up realizing that because he is spending so much time at work, uh, he's essentially on autopilot waiting for the next promotion, waiting for the next good thing for him, for him to happen so he can get his kids some stuff that, that he is missing out on his kids' lives and his own life by, uh, by default too. And he, because he even says it at the end it, it does not really bear repeating, but it is yeah. connected to another theme in here, which is the idea that capitalism is tied to his happiness. He thinks that this capitalist idea of happiness is the right way to go.
0: Yeah, and they do have a, a Jones's family, um, played by the O'Doyles, who are buying things he wanted in his childhood to make him feel inferior for not having them.
1: And to make his, like they make his kid feel inferior inferior too. And that's what really bothers him. They even have an RV and there's a flashback scene where his family had a camp in a tent. They didn't have the RV, this symbol of wealth. And for me too, I consider an RV a symbol of wealth. You know, that's a lot of money to just drop on a temporary house that you might only spend a couple days in a year, you know?
0: Yeah, it's a really dumb use of money pretty much all the time as a like, you know, vacation thing. It's silly.
1: And he, he buys his kids bikes, and it's when his wife tells the kids that they have to return the bikes because he didn't actually get the promotion is when he skips a whole year ahead. Yeah. It's just this idea that, like, if my kids can't have things, then what's the point? Uh, and he, and that, that is definitely an idea that capitalism instills in us. Like, if you can't provide nice things to your kids and you're a failure as a parent— I think my like my dad falls into that trap sometimes uh, because sometimes he'll get sad. and He'll say, like, I wish we could I could have like gotten you more stuff or we could have gone out and had better vacations. And like, Dad, like that's not mm. it at all. You know, like I, I had a, a relatively happy childhood and it's not because of the toys that I had, you know?
0: Yeah. Other than like, you know, Pokemon cards, I can't remember any toys I had as a child that I cared about. And they, they do do a decent job in this of showing um, they 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 seem pretty well off, um, like they own a house, or at least it seems like they own a house, but he's driving an uh, average car, and mm-hmm. when he buys his children bikes as a present, when he thinks he's getting a promotion, you hear the mother explain that they're going to have to return them because they can't afford them, mm-hmm. which is like... You know, a lot closer to the chest than most New York architects in a movie are going to be playing.
1: Uh, that's that's another thing in this movie. The the boss, David Hasselhoff.
0: Oh, is a piece he of does, shit.
1: Oh, yeah, he does. he's an absolute piece of shit. The first thing I want to talk about is how he basically dangles this carrot in front of Adam Sandler in order to get him to work menial hours.
0: Okay, so I, I want to say, do you know who this reminds me of? I don't know if you ever met this man. But my old boss at the bar is exactly no. David Hassoff in this.
1: I didn't meet him. I purposely didn't like go to the bar that you worked at a lot. Cause... Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, I was also planning on quitting the entire time we worked together. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but uh, So, you know, he sexually harasses women. Um, check for the, the guy I used to work for. He dangles promotion stuff in front of people. Because um, he thinks, because he's money orientated, he thinks that's what other people will want. Mm-hmm. Um, he constantly basically was hires women around him in a very uncomfortable way, mm-hmm. which is, you know, a normal, shitty 80s boss type thing. I think <laughs> that's an 80s boss. And then there's uh, this idea of they go out to eat and he has to land this account and without literally a magical device there's no way Adam Sandler's character is able to do this but he puts the pressure on him anyway. This is, like, what every bad boss does is do this impossible thing. And earlier, when he was trying to get something uh, done, the boss just undermines him completely right in front of everyone. It's just <laughs> classic shitty boss things. But I'm wondering. Now, There, there's a lot of, like, weird nonce towards the... But basically, the, the intense sexual harassment this man is putting forth mm-hmm. towards the company and the women around him and mentioning, basically, that in order, you know, if you want the promotion, you have to get the lotion. That's a quote from the guy. Yeah. I felt like this might have even been a dig at Harvey Weinstein. Okay. Because... You
1: evidence for that?
0: Due to... Well, I mean, it's notable that Adam Sandler never worked with him, which is pretty impossible to do but oh i didn't know that yeah that's why i was just googling is never it looks like did they work with Miramax? Wow. Um, okay if if i'm wrong on that someone let me know but you know that's that's rare i think Mm -hmm. but it's just he this is a metaphor for adam sandler's career right that's he's putting it in there and then there's this person that lets you become rich and famous if you do these things if you play the game, if you sexually harass women, if you join the boys' club, and he hates this man and doesn't want to work for him. But in the movie, he works for him, has a terrible life basically becoming him, even without the harassment and all this. It just seems like if you're talking about the movie game, who else are you talking about? I mean, maybe, I mean, probably there's multiple people that fit this type of situation in Hollywood, but. I don't know. That That's what I thought when I was watching it, is that this is a terribly over-the-top like sexual predator. Because they have a whole scene where he's making fun of a sexual harassment uh, seminar. The, the sexual harassment seminar. Th- they purposely had... A mandatory
1: had... sexual harassment meeting? Yeah. Yeah,
0: they purposely had that in the movie. And why would they have that, except to make the boss have more opportunity to show off that he was sexually harassing those around him it could have been about anything yeah that might be reading too much into it but i i felt like there was i don't know it was pretty on the nose just the the amount of nastiness coming from him
1: there was a lot of it too Mm -hmm. and then in the end though he moves to morocco
0: yeah it's weird
1: but he's also super glib about the person who succeeded him killing himself you know?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's, yeah. Um, so apart from Hasselhoff being like a disgusting boss and dangling this this carrot constantly in front of Sandler, we have the element of this product that can change a life. And there are lots of products in this movie that are tempting and and very alluring that are literally killing Adam Sandler throughout. So there's... The remote control, of course, um, which is ruining his life. There, are, it's all the junk food, the Twinkies and the Yodels. Um, you made a good point about the product placement here. Like, if this is supposed to be positive po- product placement for Twinkies and Yodels, they did a terrible job.
0: Yeah, it shows that it's killing him, and it makes uh-huh. him extremely like unhealthy by the end of it.
1: And the fast food, the Wendy's specifically, those products that are that are used that are that are that are killing. Adam Sandler's character, literally, like he ends up having a a heart attack, um, and almost dying because of it. Well, and then dying, um, versus the hearty elements of being at a home and having a home-cooked meal with your family. Um, I just think that having those elements juxtaposed with the remote control being this thing that you can buy that's going to improve your life, Mm -hmm. ending up being a monkey's paw is just how capitalism works capitalism is the thing that's sold to us as something that improves lives and that it it brings people out of poverty and it's preventing deaths but then we see how it's like ruining society
0: yeah the the entirety of the the capitalism spiral because it shows that once he becomes in charge he's very worried that that he, like, slowing down will screw him over more, basically. Mm-hmm. And it'll screw over the people beneath him. And he, he says at one point that once he becomes the boss, he's going to hire a bunch of idiots like me to do all my work for me so I can spend time with the wife and kids. But he yeah, doesn't per- do that.
1: Perpetuating a system, yeah. Well, he kind of ends up doing it, though, with his son.
0: Yeah, after everything goes down, yeah.
1: Yeah. Speaking of inescapable spirals... Uh, the movie is also a metaphor for, I think, the inescapable spiral of depression. Um, The idea of Adam Sandler's character going on autopilot throughout bad periods or just like annoying periods of his life, that is a symptom of depression that I have dealt Mm -hmm. with in my life. And it's it's really an awful symptom because there are... Like, if I think back about some of the times that I was, like, really suffering from depression, I hardly have any memory of it. Because not only does depression, you know, like, mess with your entire memory, (laughs) Mm -hmm. I also just, like, I feel like I wasn't even actively making memories because I was just kind of going through the motions of things. And even if I was never suicidal, you know, I was still just not engaging with my life and... In a lot of ways, I think this movie is saying, like, going through life like that is also an irreversible choice. It might not be necessarily as immediate and final as uh, suicide, but it is a—it's tr- not—okay, I yeah, said choice, no. but— so Yeah,
0: What what you mean is if you keep going into and using what is making you depressed more, which is, you know, this this machine he's given— If you keep Mm -hmm. using the machinations of depression, they become more routine and it's easier to use and harder to stop.
1: Yeah, and not even that. Like, I I think that you could even say that it's not his fault, even at the beginning, really, because he's given this thing. that. But it, it starts being programmed to just do it. It's not something that he can, he literally cannot get away from it. It's inescapable. It's unreturnable.
0: Yeah, I mean, you could, you could think of that as any kind of mental illness, too, where mm-hmm. it, it forms and becomes more and more apparent, even though it starts out, like, I, I don't even know if it's depression he's technically dealing with. There's some hints at the fact that he's just kind of dealing with mental illness. Um, mm-hmm. There's even the, like, he might have some form of PTSD um, because he was very, very panicky at fireworks early in the movie.
1: Oh, yeah, that's true. I didn't even think about that.
0: I mean, I, I don't see the reason to try to diagnose a fact oh, about yeah, uh, yeah, mental yeah. illness. It's, he has some form of mental illness, mm-hmm. seemingly. Um, and this whole thing could be seen as his inability to deal with mental illness. You know, he starts it by binge eating, um, which is a thing you do mm-hmm. at times. He goes on autopilot and kind of tunes out his life. Mm-hmm. Um, it specifically shows that while he's in this autopilot he isn't his normal jovular self and he kind of just agrees to things and goes mm-hmm. through the motions he doesn't pay attention to people all that type of thing
1: he lashes out in anger too yeah at certain points like with henry Winkler,
0: which i found interesting because that's not the autopilot that we kind of expected it did show that he was like you know he just dealt with it bad emotions while he was mm-hmm. in autopilot not good
1: yeah yeah i mean and when you look at it from that angle that's it's super depressing this movie can be very super depressing at times because there's there's like whole middle part after he starts using the remote that he's completely helpless mm-hmm. but thank goodness like i actually say thank goodness that they ended it on a happy note that he you know he wakes up, it was like it was all a dream, which is usually a cliche, but this movie would be so depressing if it just ended with him dying, wouldn't it?
0: Yeah, I have a, uh, unconfirmed, but I heard two separate places people mention this, it could just be a rumor, that the original ending in test scripts was that he dies and wakes up as house the beginning, and when he walks outside, he realizes he's in heaven. So, that sounds like a bad ending, though. I'm yeah. glad they didn't do that, and I don't know if it's even true. I mean, why have a magic remote if you're not going to do magic with it?
1: Well, I knew how it ended, but I was thinking about how this movie would be set up if it had a bad ending, if it had the the Black Mirror-type ending.
0: Yeah. I, I saw someone mention, like, if they didn't have a happy ending, this would have been a two-hour Black Mirror episode. I'm like, it would have just been bad. Kind of like how Black Mirror has been for three seasons.
1: Yeah. You wrote here that this movie is about existential dread.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't even think we need to talk about that. It just is. It's about, you know, he's going to have to wait a year to get promoted to get promoted in 10 years, and there's not really an end to anything, but there's also not really any payoff.
1: There's a line in the movie. uh, I can't remember who says it, but someone says, I think it might be Morty, says, you're born, you live, you die.
0: Uh, It's his son trying to help him when his dad's dead.
1: Yeah, it's... uh like that being life is dreadful <laughs> a lot of times. The idea that you're going to wake up 10 years from now and your life is going to be completely different and the decisions that you made or didn't make at one point in your life are going to affect what's going on, that's also dreadful.
0: Uh. <laughs> yeah, it, it, uh, it's interesting in that manner. Um, a lot of people said that they had like tonal whiplash from this movie. Um, Because it went from funny to serious so quickly. I'm like, I don't think it did. It just started kind of funny and then became depressing because that's what the movie was actually about. Yeah. And I think that was a good way to make a movie like this because the idea of existential dread and mental illness and like these fears people have are very often like common with comedians and it starts out funny, and then if you look below the surface, there's, like, a lot going on There is like, a mm-hmm. very easy metaphorical, you know, uh, push you can give on any of these comedians in the movie, I'm sure.
1: Yeah. I mean, and then people are so surprised when comedians are depressed, or they they do commit suicide, or they have drug problems. They're like, oh, but they're so happy on screen, like, uh... <laughs> It's not really how, how depression works, so.
0: Yeah, and the that, that that's part of the, what I find interesting as the overall what are we learning about Adam Sandler in this movie is, you know, he talks about how that every choice I make, everything I do, I disappoint somebody, showing it, it doesn't matter if he's working on his career or if he's with his family, someone's going to be pissed off at him for it, so his decision really doesn't matter to anyone but him and he those he care about most. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's also that bit about, you know, when I become a boss, I'm going to just have a bunch of idiots like me do these, this work. You could say he's doing that. Yeah. Like, you know, he's, hey, Rob Schneider, go make a movie, and I'll make money. Hey, David Spade, go make a movie. But mm-hmm. he can't let it go, right? That's what he's showing right. is he says he'll do that but he's there working behind the scenes harder than everyone putting himself into his work when he wants to be with his family. I think this is like a good example of hey, I I could probably have made five happy mad or five happy gilmores. But that that's yeah. the that's the route I didn't take where I run this big production studio and that's how everyone knows me. And I'm doing the minimal cheap thing that makes money and not the, the let the river run through it version that has a good flow. And mm-hmm. I I think, you know, that's, that's not a accurate portrayal of everything they end up doing. They end up making movies just to make money or that they think are kind of funny or easy.
1: I do also see this as part of a newer development within these Happy Madison films. This... Now he's have he has a family, uh, being worried about children, being worried about a wife, being worried about career. this these elements are a lot more um, more recurring, I think, in these movies mm-hmm. per, compared to the earlier happy uh, happy medicine movies or pre-happy medicine movies. He's much he's playing much more of an adult character. The voices, they don't you don't see the voices come out as often. Um, we do still see sometimes those outbursts of rage, that, that very typical Adam Sandler, like, I'm going to go run and chase these uh, teenagers and hop fence kind of stuff.
0: He talked about how his dad uh, was angry a lot as a child, not in, like, a bad way, but, you know, he had outbursts. I'm mm-hmm. assuming kind of like how I'm angry at my friends all the time way, mm-hmm. and I, I like ranting and raving about stuff for fun. But I'm not, you know, like, chasing children. Yeah. But, yeah, once you see him in real life have a kid and get married, that's where his movie, his, he starts making rom-coms when he's getting married and such. Mm-hmm. Um, he made a, like, you know, wedding singer well before he met his wife, but I'm sure he was dating. I don't, I'm not going to look into it. That
1: was much more of a comedy, though, than a rom, mm-hmm. a rom, more of a comedy than a romance. Oh, my gosh. Uh, for me, at least.
0: Yeah, I agree. But then, uh you know, this one—he's already married. They just established that the last movie we watched was a married couple mm-hmm. working on conceiving. And you mm-hmm. know, a month after this movie comes out, they have a kid. Mm-hmm. It's like you know, the the things there. Um, they also have a much bigger budget to play with now. Which is interesting. I know they're not like they're not one hundred percent funding all their movies themselves. Having Sony pick it up and then doing it, and blah, blah, blah. I get it's a confusing thing. But, like, you know, the effects stood up. The fast forward, the, the color changing scene was pretty funny.
1: Yeah, I liked that. That was cute.
0: It wasn't, if you haven't seen the movie, it wasn't like a racist thing. He turned his screen or his skin green to look like the Hulk mm-hmm. and, and, and purple to
1: look like Barney. Yeah. And then he gave himself a tan.
0: I just know <laughs> when I say that color changing scene, given the amount of racism in these movies from Rob Schneider you gotta point out this part was not racist.
1: Yeah, that's true. I'm also starting to pick up on the little Easter eggs in these movies a lot more. I'm glad mm-hmm. that I've seen so many. Like the O'Doyle stuff coming up over and over again, obviously is like a thread that he uses a lot. I'm seeing a lot of, like in the background of the scene where he's in the graveyard, Uh, you can see some of like previous Actors that he's worked with on the gravestones, uh, and I thought that was kind of funny, very morbid. And just some of the the names that keep popping up, too, and similar thematic elements.
0: The guy who dies is the same name as someone else. I don't remember who. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, from Grown Ups, I read, but we haven't seen that yet.
0: Uh, his name has been used before. Oh, I've never seen Grown Ups, so.
1: The Rachel Dratch playing an assistant and I'm glad I'm picking that stuff up, because it does actually make the movies more enjoyable if you are watching a lot of them. Yeah. And I'm surprised that I like this movie as much as I did, because I, I really did have memories of me not liking this movie. But I think maybe that was because I was a kid. And the same way I really liked Master of Disguise when I was a kid, and I hate it now, I think this, the reverse has happened to me.
0: Yeah, that la- uh, Master of Disguise was a huge regression, whereas this is like a progress of the the adam sandler story Mm
1: -hmm. yeah this movie also plays so much like a horror movie that i think i could consider the whole thing to be a horror reference some of the ways that christopher walken is even just framed in the screen are very horror movie shots those dutch angles he's in the shadows at one point Mm -hmm.
0: the the time the remote is up on the shelf and it's the camera is up in the shelf above it, pointing down. Mm-hmm. That's a scene from a movie, and I don't know which one, but I I know it's from a movie. So I guess other than that, Sean Astin wears a little speedo in this movie, which is why you like it now. I liked it though because Christopher Watkins in it, so we're good to go. There's no other real uh real big things. I mean, like there's there's a lot of large ideas about like mental illness, probably about mm-hmm. you know career versus happiness breakdown. But it explores the themes adequately, but it doesn't say anything profound. And I think that's on purpose. It's, you know, a normal guy learning this for the first time in his life.
1: Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say, is that this movie does a lot of the talking for you. It's one of it's one of these films that actually finishes what it set out to do. And I think it did it successfully.
0: Yeah, those dicks. can't believe they're... <laughs> make a movie that adequately does what it wants to
1: i mean i think that's also worth some uh, saying something about because other movies have done very similar things to this in mm-hmm. fact people say that this is based on a story called the magic thread which is an old french story about a kid who basically does the same thing and this movie was almost sued by rl stein for having too similar of a plot to one of his stories but I mean it's just because this is a very yeah, common they trope.
0: Both based it off the same old yeah. fairy tale.
1: Yeah, they just happen to use remote controls because, you know, that's a thing that people used yeah. back then.
0: I mean, we still use remote control. We just can't find ours.
1: Yeah, where is it? I don't use it. It's gone. Morty you took it with
0: always it. Always lose it. it is your I threw fault. it
1: away. I threw it away. Yeah. Uh what are we watching tomorrow?
0: Watching Rain Over Me, a movie i like a lot That's is all. it
1: going to spoil shadow of colossus
0: no why are you gonna play that now
1: i want to play it
0: it's, all right then go play it it's been out for 20 years
1: i just don't want spoilers
0: i mean the fifty-first
1: dates ruined the end of six cents for me
0: you could play it right now
1: on what my mind
0: the ps we, we have two ps4s
1: you can find our podcast at laugh at him pod on twitter you can also find our games at wannabegames.com. You can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash wannabegames. But how about instead you take your money and go support a local black-owned business? You can find me on Twitter, talking about activism stuff, because I'm very angry at the world right now, at at
0: And on tomorrow's episode and on Twitter, I will be spoiling Shadow of the Colossus, because it matters to the plot of the movie. Shit! At Kitty Crusade. <laughs>
1: Uh I have some fun trivia for you that you already know cuz you're the one who found it.
0: Oh, really? Interesting. Tell me more.
1: Henry Winkler and Julie Kavner, who played Adam Sandler's parents in this movie, Julie Kavner being the woman who plays Marge, uh both appeared together on the Simpsons episode in season 11 called Take My Wife Please. So Take My Wife Please is I guess how we're supposed to be saying it, huh?
0: Yeah whatever
1: please take my wife